0: Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Business Fun Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by my friends at Booking Protect. You can find them at www.bookingprotect.com. If you offer live tickets or sell live experiences, live entertainment, uh, any kind of uh, thing where life can get in the way, you should be checking out Booking Protect. So you can find out how you can offer your customers a peace of mind in their purchase or their booking a better buying journey and an increased or new revenue stream for your organization to find out more visit www.bookingprotect.com today's guest is somebody i'm excited to introduce to you a lot of you may have heard of this guy before many of you he might be new to his name is peter shankman and anytime you talk to peter it's like a shot of adrenaline um Peter is known around the world for starting the website Harrow, which is help a reporter out. Um, He is a tremendous public relations person. He is an entrepreneur. He's a speaker. Uh, He is just somebody who's really inspirational, and he's the person who really inspired me to become some of you know me and so it was really really exciting to have him on i don't know that i could really do him justice in the podcast form because you know his his ideas are have been so meaningful and have had such an impact on me but we get into um some of the really great things like uh, empathy in customer service we talk about the role of um thoughtful thinking in You know, in the buying journey, we talk about a lot about just people, which is sort of the core of everything I talk about. Um, You know, and this thing, this idea of people and empathy and putting the customer first um, was something that I, I, you know, I, I don't know if I can expose any of us to nearly enough. So I'm really excited for you to hear Peter's ideas and hear my conversation with Peter Shankman. I want to welcome Peter Shankman to the Business of Fun podcast. Peter, thank you for being here. It's my
1: pleasure because this should be fun.
0: Yeah, no, this is going to be great uh, because I think I've known you now since uh – want I say 2004, so this is like our 14th year anniversary together. Sounds some, about right. Yeah. yeah, no, and this is like uh, I tell the story all the time. So I, you know, this is I wanted you to be the first guest on my podcast because, like, when I started my business, you were my first customer. I, ah, I, I think I told you that before, but um, I think it's good that everybody hears hears it again because you and there's like two or three other people that really had. Um, push me to do stuff and try new stuff, and I and I, I've been fortunate enough to have done that. And you know, so thank you for being here, and you know, thank you for enc- the encouragement over the years. I love that. That's great, man. Yeah, no. So I wanted to have you on, b- besides like you know you know blow. you know giving you uh you know a nice little like uh puff up and you know blow up job here on the uh <laughs> as far as being like a you know somebody i really respect and, and and i'm grateful for to talk about the customer economy and i know that you and i both probably come at this from a little bit differently because we're also both like really big fans of the live experience. Um, So I wanted to start out because you have a hypothesis and it's one that I agree with and one that I don't think people maybe hear enough from is that our expectations for customer service are so low right now that you don't have to be even decent at customer service. You just have to not suck. Um, Can you give us a little overview of your theory of customer service in the customer economy?
1: You know, I think that in the past several years, uh, 10, 20 years, our, our idea of what great customer service is has changed. You know, if you look back to flying, for instance, I love I love talking talk about flying. Back in the 50s, you got on a plane, you wore a suit, and you had a three-course meal, and you had it was you know, an amazing experience. Now, you know, the goal is to, to, to get on the plane, to shut up, and to get off a plane without having been dragged off by your nose. And it's really, you know, it's become a chore. It's not fun anymore. And so... That's what we expect to go. We get on the air, we get to the airport, you know, we get on the shortest line possible, which moves really fast until we get there, and then we get hit with the anal probe from the TSA, you know. And then we get out of the airplane. We finally made it to the gate, gate four, but you know it's moved to gate two seventy one. They didn't tell you, and that's like six, uh, six um, terminals and you know, eight airports, four states away. Finally get there, and you know, you're too late, so they gave your seat up. Now you have to take a seat all the way to the back of the airplane, next to the bathroom. It just becomes this this sort of, that's what we expect, right? So I don't need you to sit me in first class and be amazing. All I need you to do is suck a little less. I need you to have, you know, smile at me when I get on the plane, right? Make sure there's room for my bags. These stupid little things like that, that is sort of exactly what we expect, exactly what we paid for. Give me that. I'll be incredibly happy.
0: Yeah, it's, it's really... Uh... Interesting, the way that you you describe the airline thing because there is a guy who I am um, friends with called Tony Knopp, who's the CEO of a company called Invite Manager, and he's been going through this thing for the last week or two as we're recording today with Hawaiian Airlines, who uh, going they treated him like crap, and then coming back they treat and then they kept haunting him off on like a customer service email right. thing that like eventually they they. Just admitted, like nobody checks that thing, and they don't talk to anybody. Right, it's, I mean, it's
1: it's well, awful. That's my favorite story. You know, I, I fly United all the time, and they treat me really well because I fly them all the time. And at the end of every uh, flight, I get an email the next day. It says, "Tell us, you know, about your flight and says, well, answer the questions." The last question is always, "Tell us what we could do better. Tell us how we could improve your next flight." And for like a three hundred and seventy four flights, something like that in a row, I'd answer this email the same way. Um, On my next flight, please refer to me as Peter, Lord of the Skies, and. Um, you know, I never expected to do that, right? But it would have been nice if, if you, after like a couple of hundred of these same emails, they they, they called me and was like, asshole, we're not going to do that. Stop it, you know. But the fact they didn't <laughs> tells me they never read it, right? They finally did it once because they someone heard me speak at a conference when I mentioned that story. But, you know, and it was great. But it's like it shouldn't have taken 274, 374 emails plus hearing me at a conference. Because if, if you're telling me that you don't, you're not reading those emails, then that's a little disingenuous. And if it's a little disingenuous, you know – if I do have a problem with the airline, if I if three flights in a row get canceled or whatever, you know, I'm not – I might just walk away or at least you've opened – there's a door open for me to go to another airline now. And you know America – don't you know, they're watching me, right? That really pretty fun. so why open that door? Why not just do the most basic of things and keep me guaranteed to be there?
0: Well, and plus, I mean, think about this too with Peter Lord of the Skies. That would just be funny, right? That would show that you had – like yeah. you weren't just like some BS corporate – talk, like always on, like everything has to be so straight laced, which uh, I think a big part of like the problem with the customer ex- experience in the customer economy is that so many brands and so many places, they don't have any personality today. Like we've kind of, it's like they try to squeeze it out of us at every right. turn.
1: Right. They're either, they're either doing it too hard or not doing it enough, or they're too afraid to try it.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely right. Which brings me to a interesting thing that or. That you've been involved in, which I believe, if the story is correct, was Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Morton's, Morton's. sorry, I see my research department is slipping here. But Morton's, where you tweeted out to Morton's that you really wanted a steak, um, and then they met you at was it New York New York Airport, right? Yeah, and they and they brought you a steak, and that led to what was that
1: Tweet of the Year? And yeah, but here's the thing: that's not a customer service event. That's a public relations stunt. It wasn't planned, and they did a great job. And I have you know all the credit in the world. Then they did a phenomenal thing. But let's be honest, you know, their job isn't to bring stakes to the airport for people. Their job is to have a great experience when you go to Morton's. So if you go to Morton's and you have a crappy experience, well, then all the stakes in the airport in the world for me don't matter because they screwed up your order. The key is what do they do when you go there regularly? And that is where they excel, right? You say, Oh, I'm going wait, where are you going? I'm going, you know, are you celebrating anything? Yeah, it's my girlfriend's birthday. Oh, what's your name? Her name's Rachel. Great, we'll see you. And Rachel's there and, and you know, so Friday at 8 p.m. When you show up Friday at 8 pm, you walk in and you sit down. And there's a sign, uh, there's a, a menu, a paper menu on the on the table, and it says Happy Birthday Rachel from all of us at Burns. You know what's the first thing Rachel does? She Instagrams the shit out of that, right? You know all her friends see that. Well, that's that's where we're going. Who's who's Rachel's friends? People who want that same experience, right? If we went, if you if they sent me a steak at the airport, but you go and your steak is cold, right? And well, sure they sent me a steak at the airport, my steak's cold. You you never go back. So they have to be be brilliant at the basics, and that'll get you 99 percent of all everything you want.
0: That's right, I, and for me, the brand that I always point people to is the Four Seasons. Which I go, of everybody goes, oh yeah, of course, the Four Seasons. But even within the context of the Four Seasons having fantastic customer service, they treat you with such a, like a, a certain level of individuality that you know makes that experience that you're just expecting a great experience because it's the Four Seasons. But it takes it to that next level, and I think that's the what's reason missing.
1: that. The reason that happened, same thing with Ritz-Carlton, is because Ritz-Carlton and, and Four Seasons, they don't hire for people who know how to make uh, hospital corners on their sheets. They hire for people who have empathy. You can't, uh, you can't hire for people who don't have empathy because you can't teach empathy. You can teach someone how to make hospital corners. You can't teach empathy. So they hire people who care about people. That's huge.
0: Yeah. And now most of the time, the most of the listeners of this podcast are focused on sell, marketing and selling experiences. And I know as you're a big, big event goer like myself. So I, and knowing that I have my own issues with the way that a lot of times you customers get treated when they go. Um, I don't want to name any names here because I probably do a lot of a lot of that in general. Um but can you tell me some of the best in, or give me an example of the, a, a good experience you've had at a recent event and maybe an example of a bad experience you had in an event? And, and then we'll talk about the bad experience and the good experience in terms of um, improving them.
1: I think for me, you know, the simple act of um, I went to a show in uh, London, to a Broadway show in London or West End show in London. And um what was fascinating to me is that you went and you ordered a drink and a soda at the beginning and they said, do you want to order another one and have it waiting for you at intermission? It's like, yeah, that's a smart idea, right? I come out at an intermission and there's my drink with my name on it waiting for me. And it's the stupidest, simplest thing. I didn't have to wait in line. I didn't have to deal with, you know, fighting hundreds of other people who were also getting And it happened immediately. And I'm like, oh, wh- how simple is this, right? What did It, it cost them nothing. It made get sure that I, that I was going to pay them for a second drink because now I didn't have to wait online. You know why wouldn't we all do this? So that's what it really comes down to: is how long does it take? You know, you have companies that spend so much money on customer service surveys and this and that. Just be a little decent. Be a little better than the norm because the norm is so low. Be a little better than the norm. my favorite joke. Uh, is a great customer service joke when you think about it. It's the two guys are are in the woods, they're running and they're doing a trail run and they're in the woods and they're about five miles in. And the uh they're running and they're running. And, they're running and they see a bear. And the first one says, Holy shit, it's a bear. And he freaks out. The second one leans down, he tightens up his running shoes. And the first one says, Dude, do what are you doing? Don't be crazy. You can't outrun a bear. And the second one says, no, 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 no. I just need to outrun you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that, and I think that the West End, along with the joke, it tells a, a pretty compelling story, too, because most of the time you're not even trying to outrun anybody. You're just like going, hey, let me take you for granted. Right. Exactly. I have got your money. Right. And, and this is um, especially relevant. I have a great deal of disgust most times when I go to a baseball game. Because baseball seems to have taken their fans for granted now for the better part of a decade. Oh, no
1: question about it. Yeah,
0: and it, it, it's really frustrating because I took my son to a Durham Bulls game about two weeks ago, and the contrast could not have been greater. They go out of their way to show you how much they care about you, and on um, the you know flip side, Major League Baseball seems to go out of their way to tell you how much they don't care if you don't right. show up. We have, we right. get tons of TV money. What well, you know? What can we do? Um, you know, we don't need you. But you do need you. Right. And I think the one of the things I think it would be interesting to hear from your perspective, too, is like, how do you convince organizations to invest in the customer experience and invest in the customer economy? Because when you take somebody like Major League Baseball, who has a billion, you know, billions of dollars in TV revenue coming in over the next several years so that they are insulated from some of their poor decision making. You know, how do you convince them to change and look at the customer as, like, not a, a renewable resources but a finite resource or something that, like, once you've turned them off, they're not coming back?
1: Well, the key is they have to realize that. But they also have to realize that, again, I don't need – you know, you don't need – you don't need to create this ridiculous um, – I think too many companies think that customer service needs to be this ridiculously expensive, uh, over-designed thing – it's not true. The very basic premise of simply smiling more, right? Of training our employees to simply smile more, to ask questions, things like that, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, and it will do so much. You know, I think that we have to stop looking at customer service as a cost and look at it as a profit center. Because the problem is, is that right now we're still under the guise of trying to train our audience to keep clicking the like button and that's a problem because the way the network is moving the way the consumer's network is moving the network knows what we're doing before we do it they know where we're going they know where we're eating they know where we're spending our money they know where we're hanging out and whether we click a like button or not doesn't mean anything what matters is the experience we have and whether or not we come back to that place in person or online or whatever and so companies they need to start understanding that it's time to stop chasing the likes and time to start doing more likable things. So the simple act of the upgrade or the smile or the whatever goes a really, really long way, and it doesn't cost that much. It's, it's going to be an incredible uh, uh, game changer for companies when they realize the simple act of smiling or saying hi or, you know, hey, I noticed you've been waiting for a table for 20 minutes. Have, have your first drink on us. What does that cost you? It costs you nothing, but it immediately uh, dissipates any problems. Keep in mind, 79%, there's a study that came out last year, 79% of all people who complain on Twitter don't actually need a solution to their problem, they just want to be heard. Focus on hearing your audience, listening to your customers.
0: Yeah, and I think it, that 79% of people, they want to be heard. And I think the fact that like you had to do a survey to understand that, or to recognize that that, that really shows the way to part of the problem, which is that goes back to the start where you talk about you can't train people for empathy. And I don't know necessarily know if you have a solution or if I have a solution, but you know, how do we hire encourage, good people? Yeah, well, <laughs> that, but I mean, you know, what else can we do to inject more empathy into this thing because it seems um, that far too often it gets squeezed out of people.
1: Yeah, I think the key is, you know, you have to understand the people you're hiring need to be again, not only you have to hire for people but you also have to make sure that those types of people uh, care and they actually do enjoy the um, uh, act of customer service. Because customer service is not for everyone. And let's face it, it's very difficult when the fact of the matter is, is that a lot of people in this world are freaking stupid. Okay, I, w- <laughs> I won't argue. No. I will not argue that at all. So you know, the key is how can you create this this world where you're dealing with people who are who actually enjoy dealing with people. I uh, have a great T-shirt that says, "I can't go outside It's two people out." You know, and it's very true. There are times I just don't want to deal with people, so you have to understand. and You have to be able to deal with the fact that uh, you have to find people who can handle the fact that s- sometimes customers are just stupid. What's the great line um, from Men in Black? It says, "Why don't we just tell people about the aliens? People people are smart; they'll understand." And, and, uh, James, uh, not James Earl Jones, uh, uh Tommy Lee Jones goes, no, people are, stu- a person is smart. People are dumb, panicky, stupid animals.
0: That's very true. It's very, it, it is very true. Now, let me ask you one more question. How can people find out more about you?
1: My life is at shankman.com. Yep. My, uh, I have I run a mastermind for entrepreneurs at shankminds.com and I also run the number one podcast focusing on ADHD. We believe it's I believe it's a gift not a curse and that's at faster than com. Yeah.
0: and I would also point people to your book which is well you have several of them but I have several but zombie
1: Loyalists yeah. is the number one uh, yeah oh I would
0: see. I would always push people towards nice companies finish
1: but first is the, is, the, is the third one but zombie loyalist is really more about the customer experience um, and customer service I think either of them are good definitely but uh, yeah, I, I would look at you them.
0: Well, Peter, I want to thank you uh, so much for being here. I know that you squeezed me in on today. So um, thank you so much for being here. Um, I would encourage everybody to follow you, to connect with you, um, to pay attention to what you're doing, because I know it's um, been inspirational to me, and I know it would be inspirational to others.
1: Thank you so much, Dave. Always a pleasure. Good luck with the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much. All righty.
0: Thank you once again for listening to the Business of Fun podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with my guest, Peter Shankman. As always, you can find out what I'm up to by visiting my website, which is www.davewakeman.com. If you have any ideas, concerns, thoughts, questions, answers, ideas, whatever you have, you can always email me. It's my name, Dave, at davewakeman.com. You can also follow me on LinkedIn or Twitter And you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Most importantly, if you dig what I'm doing here on the podcast, I'd love it if you'd subscribe. And maybe just as importantly, if you would take the time and leave a review. It means the world to me. Until next time, take it easy. I'll see you soon. Bye-bye.